0: Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, global health systems have been challenged like never before. As time and resources were directed towards responding to the virus, it was the dedication of healthcare workers that kept services running. Amongst the uncertainty, our hardworking Queensland clinicians have continued their pursuit of excellence, innovating and adapting the way they work to ensure consumers always receive the best care possible. To them, the pandemic was an opportunity to learn and grow and to ensure healthcare delivery continues to evolve to the ever-changing landscape. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years, it is that things will always change and our clinicians will always rise to the occasion. To truly close the gap and improve outcomes for Queensland's First Nations people requires more than commitments and policy. Services need to be co-designed with local communities, integrating their beliefs and practices to ensure they not only meet their needs, but align to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander definitions of health. The projects featured in this session are exemplars of these principles, revolutionising care and drastically improving how their communities interact with health services.
1: My name's Chef Benjamin, the Cultural Code Billings Officer at the Royal Brisbane Women's Hospital. I'm a proud Kamilaroi man. I'm a little bit out of my country, but I feel quite at home with the hospitality that's been shown to me. Just very quickly, my uh, patriarchal links through the Tulai people in the northern Kamilaroi people, and uh, my matriarchal links are in the lower Kamilaroi. We're quite a big group out there, and that's the Tatawan people. I'm pleased to be here today to commence this presentation, and I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of this country we stand on and enjoy this beautiful showcase. I want to acknowledge the Turrbal and the Yagara people, and also acknowledge the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander persons in the audience today. I wish to acknowledge the elders still with us and the young people in our community, the emerging elders of the future. And I want to acknowledge our elders' past. I believe their spirit to hear that they'd help us along. Thanks.
2: Hi, my name's Corey Williams. I'm a clinical nurse consultant at the Royal Brisbane Hospital and Perioperative Service. And I'm just going to briefly introduce our project and we'll certainly get on to Yashni and uh, Patricia who are going to speak a lot about the really in-depth kind of notions that have come out of this and where we need to go in the future with this too. But to start... With. So... Essentially, when we looked at the data from a perspective of surgery and operating, we had a high level of day of surgery cancellations, or within 24 hours before, of our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients. Also, what we didn't have is a dedicated pathway to support Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients through their surgical journey. Now, this is something we, as a team, at the sole purpose of this, our aim was to come up with a model of care that was based on culturally safe, engaging, appropriate and uh, pretty much a model of care that has clinical and non-clinical facets of the surgical journey. So what we did is we developed a surgical and perioperative services and the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander health services partnership. Now that embraced our cultural capability officer, Mr. Jeffrey Binge, also our nurse, navigator, Yashni Kanda, the Indigenous Health Liaison Officer Team Leader, Ms. Patricia Kennedy. And a very vital part of our project team was Mr Kinglaw, who is our perioperative data manager. Now, we collaboratively, together, analysed the root causes of our cancellations. And what we came up with was a very long list of clinical, but also non-clinical, and real cultural issues that were stopping our patients, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients, from turning up to surgery. So we created our health and wellness check So our health and wellness check, like we say, we call our patients three days and seven days before surgeries. That's two check-in points to make sure that we're on top of how we're going in terms of the preparation. Now, Yashni, our nurse navigator here, she very diligently goes through this process and is a very good contact point along the way for multiple contact points where we can pick up potential issues and mitigate issues ahead of time. Why we say that automation is vital is because without automation, which is a very simple computer script which runs through, as you can see on the left-hand side here, thousands upon thousands of rows of black and white data that if a clinician had to sit down to would take hours upon hours. What we do in an instant second, thanks to King, who's got years and years of IT skills, has come up with a cost-free solution that provides Yashni with the details of the patients who are coming in for surgery. So essentially the script runs through that and it pre-fills the demographic information for Yashni of those particular patients. Now this is actually a good graphical representation of what happens, so this will allow you to fully understand what we do. So at the start, we have our automated template. It runs through, gets that information, then presents it in an email form which goes straight to Yashni, so no work needed there. Yashni is then able to contact our patients She then runs through, this is at three and seven days, we will run through the Pelton Wellness check. Now what that does, it allows Yashni to find these issues and then connect with suitable people who are able to help us in this. In this instance, we've got the surgical team, family and community, as well as we've got our travel offices, which has been a vital part of uh, mitigating day of surgery cancellations and as well our community healthcare providers. Our surgical case managers are tasked with looking after patients, and there's one for each specialty. Yashni is in very close contact with all of them. Just before I go, I will let you know about our pilot study results. So we did a pilot study between June and November 2020, and what we did, we compared our results of that time frame to the same time frame the year before, and we actually found that we got a 45.5% reduction of day of surgery cancellations or within 24 hours for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients. Since our pilot study, we've continued to decrease our average of day of surgery cancellations, ensuring our patients are coming through. It's been a very iterative process, so feedback from our patients helps us better develop our project. It allows us to better change and bring forward a better health and wellness check that gets the key information, the key vital areas. I'll pass on to Yashni, Kanda. Yashni is going to speak about a lot of the process in which she's contacted patients and what we've found to be systemic and individualised challenges along the way.
3: So I'm Yashni, a nurse navigator for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients, and I also do help multicultural patients at the Royal Brisbane. So our collaboration really built a strong partnership to improve the healthcare journey of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients and ensure the service was culturally responsive and appropriate for their needs. There are many stories about the challenges faced by patients in this complex system. But I just want to highlight a few points. For patients under NDIS who who actually need to be connected to NDIS, there have been quite a few that have been in crisis and complex situations. Some of these have been relocated due to domestic violence, socially isolated, and relying on their young children or teenagers to support them. Some of these patients have had cognitive impairment. So these situations required urgent referrals to connect them to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community and health services and nurse navigators in their districts. These other significant health issues, social and mental health concerns, needed to be addressed first before they proceeded to surgery. There were, I've just got a few examples. A patient with complex and chronic health issues was overwhelmed by the Queensland system having moved from New South Wales and was under considerable stress... He had a child with developmental delay who was denied NDIS and needed further reassessment. So sometimes it's supporting patients to get to surgery. It means initiating referrals to help the family too. Another patient with short-term memory loss did not understand the procedure, the length of admission, post-acute care. The initial engagement with clinicians was rushed and had not received relevant paperwork or the confirmation letter, which some patients don't ever get that if you're living in Mount Isa and those areas and there was an urgency to confirm the appointment for surgery. So for some of these patients, I do follow them up through their inpatient journey to support their understanding and decision-making. The other big issue is having multiple treating teams involved can be very challenging for some patients with disability. I am currently navigating a patient who felt the clinicians were not taking the time to listen or understand her needs. She had sensory issues, so she could not do the telehealth appointments. She actually had a few negative experiences in hospital, which I would attribute to institutional racism, and some of these resulted in failure to attend appointments and cancellations, also in part to finding the appropriate support workers to actually help them to get there as well. Now, another big issue is transport, and I'm sure a lot of workers will understand the challenges with that. I received a phone call on a Friday morning from a case manager to get a patient to the Royal Brisbane on Monday for cat one surgery from central Queensland. No travel forms were completed. His usual GP was booked. As a last resort, he was planning to drive to Brisbane and back after orthopedic surgery to his arm, right arm nerve transfer. We avoided a cancellation, but this took me three hours and multiple conversations with the GP clinic, the case manager, the travel office, and the patient. It highlights the difficulty for patients to communicate between hospitals and departments. I could advocate for him where he was unable to get a timely response or have someone locally to assist him that day. Sometimes the wellness check, it doesn't work out. An example is a patient travelled to Brisbane on a weekend for surgery on Monday. There were no concerns identified on the wellness check, but on the day of surgery, She didn't attend the hospital. And I was going to follow up with her. The main reason, it was her fear of getting COVID-19. And no matter what, the case manager offered to go across and collect her. She was staying in an apartment across. She wouldn't come across. She felt she would get lost on the Royal Brisbane Hospital campus. I mean, it is huge. And she felt she didn't understand the procedure. And if she had an escort, it would have been better. So I actually connected her with a local nurse navigator for intensive support, and she's under the Hospital Avoidance Program and under the Indigenous Patient Journey Team. Talking about escorts, please be mindful with escorts coming down that sometimes we need to look at the health status of, of them as well. I've recently had a patient down from Arakoon with his escort, and he only told me on the day he was leaving that he'd left all his medications in Arakoon. And it was his insulin, blood pressure, anticoagulants. So something to be mindful of. Also, the other fun side of some of the escorts of people travelling down from further north is the first question I'm asked is, where's Suncorp Stadium? (laughs) And the latest one was, now we're waiting. He was ready to go into level four surgery for ophthalmology. And he says, now listen, do you think you can get us some tickets to the football? (laughs) So I'm not only doing navigation, I'm organising their social life as well. And it went beyond that. It says, now, you know, when we're coming back again, do you think we can call you and you can get us some tickets? So just in relation to the failure to attend, there are many, many reasons that patients can't make it here. But persistence pays off in getting them to surgery. Sometimes this can take two weeks. For the teenagers travelling from Mackay and Townsville, to the patient who got angry with pre-admission and then didn't answer his phone for two weeks. But in reality, he was actually really scared to have surgery and no one, including the GP, knew about this. But we all worked through this for the best outcome. So networking with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander liaison officers, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clinics and community services are key to facilitating engagement. They know the patient's background, they can attend home visits, they support the patients with patient travel and encourage them to engage with the hospital. For the inpatients, it represents a unique approach to management, and key is to understand the roles and responsibilities of between the Indigenous liaison officers and the clinicians. We've actually started a partnership under my program, by my director is here from Patient Flow, with Community Interface and the Indigenous Liaison, and this is actually to identify patients who have a history of FTA, DAMA, Discharge Against Medical Advice, Poor Health Literacy, and ND, under the NDIS, to support their discharge planning and continuity of care. For outpatients, we've actually seen an increase in referrals from the community nurse navigators, liaison officers, and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community services. We're actually in the process of building a statewide partnership with navigators, primary healthcare, community interface, indigenous liaison and organisations to support patients who attend the Royal Brisbane for care and treatment and to improve the health journey. I just wanted to acknowledge we're working with QUT, Professor Jed Duff, who I believe is in the audience, and we're actually working with them to embed, spread and scale our health and wellness check, hopefully to other departments and other facilities. So if you are interested, please reach out. I've got some feedback from Ophthalmology. The Health and Wellness Check increases trust and engagement with patients and identifies issues or aversions to therapy. It has enhanced communication. For the clinic, it's changing practice. It's opening conversations about what is culturally appropriate care. It's identified their own lack of education and cultural awareness through the Wellness Check. It's improving knowledge about information they're needed. I'll just pass on to Pat.
4: Hello all. I'm Pat. I'm the team leader for the Indigenous Hospital Liaison Service at the Royal and my team actually works with the patients who come down. So they give that total holistic support to our patient as well as the escorts and family members that come down. So just to go through, the main point I wanted to make is that Indigenous health is everyone's business, as we know. Um, it's not just from my staff's point of view or from Yashni or whatever. It's everyone. And it's very important that we all look at it from that point of view so that we can all be looking after and, and supporting our patients. And also it's patient-centred care. This this health check is actually asking the patient, what is, th- what is an issue? What issues do you have coming down? OK, so at every point, it's not... A, a big hospital or, or anybody else actually saying, well, we know what we need to do for that patient. It's the actual we're talking to the patient. So the patient is telling us if they've got any, any issues, it could be any cultural, any sorry business, anything that would stop them from coming down. And when, once we know this, then we can let others know and, and change appointments. All right? And, and also find out what's going on in their lives. It's very important. It could be it could be a sorry business. It could be anything, any cultural event that would stop them from coming down. So once you ask the questions, we have a lot of our patients, a lot of our community members are so thankful for us asking the question. They're out, out there giving us that information and more, more information than what we were asking. Need to understand where the patient is coming from. I mean, Yashni... I mentioned that our patients come from all over Queensland and interstate. So if we've got a patient coming down from the Torres, you know, there might be two boats, a plane. You don't know how long it takes that patient to actually get to Cairns to get that plane to come down to Brisbane. So we just need to be very mindful of the distance of where our patients are coming from need to have a human touch. It's very important. You know, we we live in our life now that, you know, we're on Facebook. There's a whole lot of stuff. You you contact your, your electricity department. They say, you know, step one, step two, step three. It's very important that we get back to basics. And from being a past health worker many years ago, we used to do home visits. So, basically, we're turning it around the other way and it's showing great advantages by doing that. Okay, very simple... It's just asking somebody, what do you, what would you like, what, you know, um, what is the problem, let me help you. need to have a network, as Yashni mentioned. need to have the capacity of financial support, very important, to be able to support our patients when they come down. Because as Yashni mentioned, we have patients coming down, they may not have any money or any resources, so you need to have that ready. And big thing, I'll finish on is it's very important. We might, we might have training and cultural awareness, but it's the cultural practice that's the important part. You might have the information, but you need to be able to practice. Thank you.
0: As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation... Head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly
1: brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.